0: You're listening to Grab Them By The Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Welcome back to Grab Them By The Pod. After a long delay, I am Kevin, along with Jesse, and happy Labor Day to you all out there. Happy Labor Day to you, too, Jess. Thank you very much. Happy Labor Day to you, Kevin. Thank you. You know, Labor Day which has been a federal holiday since 1894, honors the labor movement and was first promoted by the Central Labor Union and the Knights of Labor back in the late 19th century. So it's a holiday meant to honor those of the working class that have truly built the United States of America into the entrepreneurial success that it is.
1: And you know, if you get me a day off of work... I'm on your side. You know, sure, Columbus did some bad things, but we get Columbus Day off, so you know what? I'll I'll give them a a break. Not in Los Angeles.
0: Now (laughs) you get Indigenous Peoples Day off.
1: And I actually, at my current job, don't get Columbus Day off, so I don't even know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Oh, the good oh, well. old days. Yep. So we're gonna start talking about what's been in the news for the past week and a half or so. Hurricane Harvey. Um, I'm sure you've heard all about it. Uh, two Fridays ago, it hit down in Southeast Texas and uh, Louisiana. Um, it's it's been an absolute mess there. Uh, the storm has resulted in at least 57 confirmed deaths, although the numbers likely to rise as the floodwaters actually recede. Thousands of people are in shelters in both states. More than 200,000 homes have been damaged. Which 13 and basically destroyed beyond repair and again that's gonna rise too. Kevin you're a former Houston resident what are you hearing from the area
0: that's right Jesse I lived in the city of Houston from 2005 to 2008 and it has a very special place in my heart my wife's family half of her family her father's side of the family uh, still does live in the city of Houston and of those 200,000 homes uh, one of those is her uncle's um, So it's something that hit very close to home for us. And, you know, we're hearing obviously, uh, you know, a lot of bad coming out of that city. Uh, And and I can remember the panic that set in there in 2005 when right on the heels of Hurricane Katrina, uh, Hurricane Rita was barreling down on the city of Houston and and the panic that ensued and everybody tried to get out of town. Uh, And and so the decision not to evacuate in, in the lead up to Hurricane Harvey uh, by the city of Houston, actually, I think was a lifesaver because having been there for Hurricane Rita in 2005, when everybody tried to get out of town, it locked up the highway system and people got nowhere. You know, I, it took me four hours to get to work when it normally took about 25 minutes. So had that many people been on, on the roads and their cars and vehicles at the time uh, when the flooding began, uh, you know, even more lives would have been lost. But certainly lots of destruction you know, lots of people's homes and livelihoods lost, uh, gone for good, and and who knows how long it's going to take to rebuild that city. Uh, and certainly I hope that with you know everybody kind of banding together and looking to make an impact to help the city of Houston, that it will get back on its feet, but uh, it's not going to be something that is over in a day. So continue, those of you that are, are supporting the city and the relief efforts, please continue to send your help.
1: So it sounds from what you're saying that the, the lead up, the preparation was definitely better than with Rita and Katrina. How do you think the responses, Ben, have, have. I mean, we, we just see these horrific pictures of people stranded, floating around neighborhoods, you know, where street signs are sticking up and where, where their boat is. Uh, I mean, I, there's only so much you can do when it comes to these things. Do you think it's been handled well?
0: Well,. Fortunately, the city of Houston has been through this before. Unfortunately, but fortunately, they've been through flooding before. It's a city that is low-lying on the Gulf Coast uh, with lots of bayous running through it, so they're used to flooding when they get these major rainstorms. Heck, I can remember flooding that would happen from you know an hour's worth of steady downpour. Really, and you know I can only imagine what would happen with fifty inches of rain. And the fact that Houston uh, is a concrete jungle. You know, there's not really anywhere for the water to go. And when those bayous rise, it's going to flood into the streets and you have what exactly what happened. Um, You know, I think the impressive thing is how much people have kind of banded together to help one another uh, down there in the bayou city. But, um, you know, as far as a federal response, that remains to be seen. You know, the president made a trip to Texas but didn't exactly stop in Houston the first time he went. So was a little disappointed with that. What do you think? I mean, again, I have no real
1: first hand knowledge or experience of would him going to Houston itself have caused problems because of having to protect him and all that crap? Or do you think it would have been the, the upside of him actually showing up and showing solidarity? Solidarity would have been worth it.
0: Well, you know, you know I've heard the arguments from both sides. And, and I think that, you know, while maybe, you know, obviously it would have taken, you know, extra efforts to protect the president while he was in town, I, I think the. The image that it portrays of solidarity with the people who are suffering, and not, you know, someone who is governing from on high and who could really care less. You know, you're dealing with a city whose population is a majority Hispanic and African American, uh, and these are people who, uh, you know, have been uh, regularly put down, mm-hmm. uh, seemingly by the president's administration. And this would have gone a long way for him to show that he was there with them. And you know, again, in true to form, it, it seems as if, you know, he really didn't care.
1: You know, he he doesn't even know what's going on when it comes to these. Crisis um, events or, or where you got to help out. I saw him a video. I don't know if it was in Louisiana or if it was in Texas, but they were li- loading up supplies into a back of a pickup truck, and he had the first supply and instead of putting it in the in the back of the truck, he went and handed it to the driver. Like, well, what's he going to do with that? But you know, it, it, he's never done this before, so I guess he's trying. Um, so the House is going to vote Wednesday on aid to the victims of Harvey. Uh, I think it's seven 700, seven 700, seven point eight five billion dollars in this aid. Package. And it's a standalone uh, package. Uh, There's no nonsense thrown in there that we've seen before. Um, Trump wanted to include a provision to raise the federal debt limit, but they haven't put it in there. Although, if you listen to some people on Capitol Hill talk, um, that could still be added after it passes the House uh, on its way to the Senate. Uh, It's interesting, though, that two of the senators who – Putting it nicely, our curmudgeons. Um, there are two senators who voted against initial relief efforts for Hurricane Sandy in Jersey and in New York are the two out there that are begging for it. Cornyn and Cruz are out there, out, and you know they should, they should be asking for money, but it's it just seems so odd you know, how you sing a different tune when it starts affecting you and your family and your people.
0: Yeah, things always change when the shoe is on the other foot, and you know I'm glad, as you said, Jess, that this is a standalone measure as of right now because it's, it's not time to play politics when you're dealing with people's lives, you know, let's get as much money and resources down there in the Gulf coast as we can to help people assess where they're at and start to rebuild moving forward. It's not the time to play politics and try to throw riders onto bills to try to get what you want politically.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'll give Trump his due. I don't know how much he has to do with anything, but you know, the, the response—it's—it's it's been fine. Um, I think that, you know that we've seen a lot of good things happen in Texas and Louisiana, which is great. Um, and it might be unfair. Uh, I feel like he gets really overly excited about this being the biggest hurricane ever to hit. It's it's the biggest mess. Everything's going to go faster when it comes to recovery than ever before. I mean, he indirectly is making it about him because he's Trump where everything's bigly. And, of course, all the crises he would face are also huge. And, of course, he's going to rise to the challenge and meet them. And he's so great, la 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 la.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about him, but, you know, he's got a fascination with size
1: except for when it comes to his hands, which we all know are small
0: Yeah we'll leave that uh, yeah. so we'll leave that for now but
1: I think I read it could still be another 10 days or so until the the waters really recede. I, I was I forget where I was looking today um, but they, they were just as high you know as they were in the, at the height of everything. Um, it, it's a good thing that Joel Olstein finally opened up his mega church for people.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I saw a great parody on Facebook today uh, set to the tune of Jolene uh, by Dolly Parton there. It was Joel Osteen talking about him not uh, really looking out for people and, and certainly somebody who made his his fame and fortune uh, on the backs of the people of Houston who attend his services and, and pay money into his church that have made him very wealthy. And yeah, you know, he, he didn't even open the doors at first until he received pressure uh, from the public. So, you know, who am I to judge? But certainly, if you're going to preach, uh, do unto others, and be a good Samaritan, and then to lock the doors of your 20,000 seat megachurch, you know, you think he could have done more.
1: And one of the things that's been lost, I mean, not among us, but obviously among the people who support Trump, is that a lot of mosques were actually opening their doors well before people like Joel Olstein were. But, you know, you can't see Trump. I mean, Trump would probably be struck by lightning if he walked into a mosque.
0: Yeah, that, that wouldn't go over well.
1: So. Um, so that that's the ongoing crisis. The uh, crisis in I guess I guess it's ongoing, but it's also in the near future too. North Korea on Sunday, North Korea successfully tested a miniaturized hydrogen bomb that they say could be placed on a ICBM or an intercontinental ballistic missile. Not good. Uh, this led to Defense Secretary Jim Mattis warning that even the threat of the use of a weapon against the U.S. and its allies will be met with massive military response. Um, the underground blast was by far the largest they've had. Trump's been on the phone with his advisors, with the prime minister of Japan. Um, it, it, this doesn't look good.
0: No, it actually, yeah, as you said, a large blast underground caused a 6.3, I believe, magnitude earthquake uh, from the result of that blast. And you know, the more this progresses, obviously it's not good because it's Bringing us to the brink of something uh, catastrophic here. And certainly I hope cooler heads will prevail. But you know, I don't know because the heads at the helm of, of both countries are not <laughs> known for uh, their measuredness.
1: No, the Pentagon is working up a bunch of different scenarios uh, where they could strike at different parts of North Korea. Although I guess Trump, rightfully so, is probably thinking they can't 100% guarantee that if they struck all of their nuclear uh, – Plant or you know, all their sites, that, that it would all be successful before they could get off something. Um, but uh, unfortunately, Trump went back to Twitter, um, and he said that the United States is considering, in addition to other options, stopping all trade with any country doing business with North Korea, a.k.a. A- a- China. That's um, a threat against China, and it's not, they're not going to like that one. Um, we're not going to stop trading with China. Um, China has refused – to uh, take down North Korea because they worry that if, that if North Korea falls, you have South Korean and United States or uh, American troops occupying a country like right in their border. And it doesn't sit well with them, which I, I can understand even from an American standpoint. Uh, but I, I, Trump should not make ridiculous foreign policy decisions, again, on Twitter because it's just – he has no problem saying that he won't talk about his his uh, moves against ISIS because he doesn't want to let them know. But he, has, he similarly has no problem telling everybody in the world what he's going to do with North Korea. It makes no sense.
0: Yeah, and, and certainly we're not going to be able to shut off trade with China altogether. Both countries, you know, our hands are tied to each other. So, uh, But again, yeah, this, this is pressure put on them to do more in regards to North Korea. And China has already said that – if the United States were to strike first, that they would support North Korea. However, Mm -hmm. if North Korea is the aggressor, they would not stand for that. So, you know... We lose Los Angeles, then we can fight them. It's cool. Right, it behooves us to sit back... And let North Korea do something stupid first. Uh,
1: and yeah, and Mattis did say that they're you not know, looking for total annihilation of a country like North Korea, but you know we have to have our options. All options on the table uh, today. The U.S. and South Korea have agreed to lift uh, limits on South Korea's missiles payload capabilities. Trump also approved, in concept at least, uh, the purchase of billions of dollars worth of military weapons and equipment uh, from South uh, to South Korea. So. Uh, there's going to be a military buildup going on the on the Korean Peninsula, which is never a good thing.
0: You know, I suppose it's good to be prepared, but you know, let's yeah. not, you know, let's hope not to use.
1: I mean, I, I I don't want to say don't poke the bear because the bear is going crazy without even being poked, but I get scared that one little thing can set off Kim Jong Un and then God knows what he'll do. Uh, the UN Security Council today had an emergency meeting. T- Talk about this nonsense. Um, Ambassador to the UN uh, from the United States, Nikki Haley, said that Kim Jong Un is begging for war. Uh, that he's abusive. And he has abusive use of missiles, uh, and said the time for half measures in the Security Council is over. The time has come to exhaust all of our diplomatic means before it is too late. We must now adopt the strongest possible measures. Kim Jong Un's actions cannot be seen as defensive. Again, I don't necessarily disagree. I don't know if I would say it out loud. It's very difficult because I I agree that North Korea is insane, but you know it's it's the same problem that Trump is facing, Barack Obama faced, George Bush faced. I mean, what do you do? I don't know.
0: Yeah, Nikki Haley, not exactly Adelaide Stevenson taking on <laughs> you know the Russian representation to the Security Council during the Cuban Missile Crisis, but she's right. You know, what she's saying, the heart of the matter there, she is absolutely correct. But we've got to be very careful with how we do this, you know, to your point about poking the bear. We, we, you know, we don't want to incite something by careless use of rhetoric.
1: I mean, between this and health care and immigration reform and tax reform, the, the- Trump administration is finding out that there's a reason why these things have been so troubling for past presidents. He thought he was going to come in and just fix it easy peasy. It's just not the case. Uh, Later in this UN meeting, China's ambassador to the UN pushed for quote-unquote practical measures to solve the North Korean nuclear crisis, uh, including dialogue. Uh, And they said that the peninsula issue must be resolved peacefully. China will never allow chaos and war on the peninsula. Again, that's kind of a threat to the United States saying, don't don't try it.
0: Right. You know, it's not good for anybody. (laughs) Certainly, even more importantly, or or even more so than the United States, you've got to worry about South Korea and China. They're the ones that stand to suffer the most if something should happen on the Korean peninsula. So they've got to be careful, too. All around, cooler heads need to prevail. That's uh, simply put.
1: You know, there are a lot of theories out there as to why we've never... Come in contact with an advanced alien race. One of the theories is that uh, any race that gets that far advanced ends up destroying itself. And I swear to God, I think I believe that more and more every day when I just see these idiots out there, you know, ourselves included sometimes, uh, that they, they just have to keep pushing and pushing back. Where's the utopia that we can all live in? Where's the happiness? Where's the love?
0: We have to make it, my friend. We have to make it.
1: Yeah. So China and Russia are pushing for a deal uh, where North Korea halts its nuclear missile activities and the United States and South Korea will stop their military exercises. But haven't we already told North Korea to stop their their nuclear missile activity? They just don't listen?
0: Correct. So, you know, it would seem to me that they're not going to listen to conventional means. Um, But does that mean that we should go drop bombs all over them? I don't know. Well, isn't that
1: what MacArthur wanted to do? And so Truman fired him because he wanted to just lay waste to the entire peninsula.
0: Exactly right. Oh.
1: Well, on to the next crisis we're facing. Um, Trump has made the decision to end the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program uh, with a six-month delay. Um, He's been weighing whether to do this or not for a long time now. Of course, this program was started by Obama, so it should be an easy easy decision for Trump. Get rid of it. Um, The program is also known by by DACA, D-A-C-A. It temporarily blocked those... Um, who would have been deported as undocumented immigrants uh, who were brought into the country legally uh, by as minors by their parents. Um, we've had a lot of disagreements over the years about uh, illegal immigration or undocumented immigrants, however you want to call it. But I think we have usually been on the same page when it comes to the Dreamers. I mean, they were brought here as minors by their parents. That's much different than being an adult coming here legally.
0: Yeah. And, and again, this is another area that you know has personal significance for me, because as a teacher, both in Houston and in Connecticut, I I've worked with students who I have known or thought to be illegal immigrants, but coming here as children, they had no say in the matter. So you're absolutely correct. You know, why not grant them some sort of amnesty or, or at least peace of mind that they're not being sought out to be deported? You know, among them, we have the future doctors, scientists, thinkers, leaders that are capable of making America a better place. So why are we so quick to kick these young people out or at least, you know, take away the safety net that was allowing them to stay here and, and seek a better life and seek an education?
1: You know, one of the reasons that Trump is pushing this, I think he got letters from 10 states, uh, probably from their attorney generals, attorneys general, I should say, um, saying to get rid of them, but at least one of them in Tennessee changed his mind and said that you know he's reviewed all of the people who would be sent away and that these people would be a benef- benefit to the United States and to the workforce and have something to add. Um, you know, I, I understand that illegal immigration is very tough, and I actually think they should be called Im- illegal immigrants if you come here illegally. It's against the law. Now, whether we want to change it or give them a, a pathway to citizenship, that's a different story. Um, but if we look to the people who can really contribute to our society and want to add something, why would we want to get rid of these people? You know, we hear time and time again, oh, they're taking our jobs. They're not taking our jobs. Um, there are jobs out there that people just don't want. That a lot of these people are taking. Um, these are jobs. You know, we talk about that, that. You know, they're picking peaches in the in the orchard that no one wants to do. That you know, it's not taking your my job.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the idea that they're all bad hombres are here to cause trouble. No, they're seeking safety and refuge from countries that are reputed with all kinds of trouble. So I think it it requires a change in the way we view and the perception of who it is exactly that is here illegally.
1: There are some bad hombres. And I guess Trump subscribes to the idea that one rotten apple ruins the bunch. I don't, think that. I think that you can separate the bad ones from the many 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 more good ones and things are just fine.
0: Yeah, well, as far as I'm concerned, Timothy McVeigh, uh, Eric Rudolph, you know, they were bad (laughs) hombres too, and they were born and bred right here in the U.S. of A. They were
1: were strong voters if if they were still voting today. I can tell you that. So a little background on DACA. DACA started in 2012 with 787,000 plus uh, people having been approved for the program. Uh, To be eligible, the applicant had to uh, to have arrived in the United States before the age of 16 and lived here since June 15, 2007. They cannot have been older than 30 when the Department of Homeland Security acted the policy in 2012. If the applications are approved by U.S. immigration officials, DACA recipients can feel comfortable getting things like a valid driver's license, uh, enrolling in college, having legal jobs, things like that. Um, however, it doesn't give them a pathway to citizenship or even legal permanent uh, residence, which some people think it should be going even further than it really already is right now. Um, but yeah, the DREAMers can apply for uh, to defer deportation and legally reside in the United States for two years, and after that, they can uh, then apply for a renewal.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what the right answer to this is, Jesse, and as you mentioned, we haven't always seen eye to eye on this, but at, at the end of the day, when it comes to kids and young people who were brought here through no fault of their own and who are only seeking to make a better life for themselves and who have no real connection to the countries that they were born in, you know, to send them back after living here for 10, 15 years or 20 years they are americans for all intents and purposes to put them back in their countries of birth they would be completely out of place and in some cases it would risk their safety so you know how heartless are we if that's the policy that we seek to move towards
1: you could argue they're as american as apple pie as, as you or i are um trump in the past has, uh, you know, spoken a good game when it came to the Dreamers. He said, you know, DACA is very, very difficult. Um, It's a a difficult one for me uh, because I have seen some of these incredible kids. We're going to have to deal with DACA with heart. I guess he forgot the hard part. It just Um, shows
0: his heart is smaller than his hands.
1: It's kind of like the Grinch he needs to grow three three sizes larger to be normal. Um, the six-month delay is an action uh, that's put in there so that apparently Congress can pass a legislative fix that would allow some of these people to stay in the country. Uh, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have been calling for the president not to end this program. I mean – Speaker of the House Paul Ryan is saying that he believes it's something that Congress should be looking into and fixing, not the president. Um, Trump's expected to make a formal announcement on Tuesday, tomorrow. Um, So until – don't even listen to what he has to say. Until you see it written down, um, who knows what we can actually believe when it comes to this stuff.
0: Well, hopefully Congress does act more responsibly on this than Trump does. Uh, But you know – He's right. Paul Ryan is right in that it's let's get back to legislative, not executive government. Let's rule by law and not executive order here. Let's make this something more permanent and long-lasting. Because
1: just as we're seeing with Trump right now, the next guy can just have an executive order to wipe away what Trump's doing right now. Um, That's why we need laws. Laws are there for a purpose. They're there for a reason. So, um, new update our old friend James Comey. our uh, Homie uh, James Comey. My, I, I I washed the shirt today. I was staring right at it a few minutes ago. Uh, Comey is my homie. Uh, special counsel Robert Mueller has obtained a letter drafted by President Trump and our buddy Stephen Miller. Uh, that let's us know exactly what Trump was thinking, what he was really thinking um, in the days that led up to him firing James Comey. Um, the circumstances and reasons for the firing are you know, two of the main things that Mueller's looking at when it comes to did Trump obstruct justice? Did he, did he do something wrong? Um, the original letter faced opposition from um, a guy by the name of Donald McGa- McGann. He's uh, the White House counsel, and he thought you know this letter was angry. It was meandering. It had a bad tone. It was problematic, a word that I usually hate. You know, A bunch of college kids usually say problematic, but I'll go with it this time. Uh, and he stopped Trump from sending this letter, um, but a copy was given to uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who then drafted his own letter. Uh, McGann's concerns about the original letter uh, show that Trump's rationale for firing Comey uh, may not hold to scrutiny. What are you thinking?
0: Well, you know, it certainly seems as if the White House is trying to spin this uh, the story that Trump was acting on recommendations of Attorney General Jeff Sessions and then Deputy AG Rod Rosenstein. Uh, you know, if what's in this letter points to that, is that really what the president was thinking or is this something that they were doing as cover? I, I don't know. But, you know, it, the timing certainly stinks. It, it stinks to the high heavens of, of Comey being fired on the heels of, you know, the Mike Flynn investigation at being asked to be dropped and things of that nature. And with the Russia investigation going on, you know, I'm not comfortable with any of it.
1: Something is rotten in Denmark, as uh, Shakespeare said. Um, you know, Trump, as we all know, blamed his firing of Comey on Comey's handling of the Clinton email scandal. Um, eventually told Russians that Comey was a nut job and they were going to get rid of him and these insane things. So we'll keep watching. I mean, it's been going on for a while now. We all we all wanted the Mother investigation to be this like quick thing just took down the administration. That's not how it goes. Um, It it just keeps chugging along until they've done their due diligence. So we'll just keep uh, following it and bringing what's going on with it to our listeners.
0: These things take their time. They have to cross their T's and dot all their lowercase J's. J's, yes.
1: Um, It's it's amazing that uh, Trump's speech in Arizona – Seems like it happened a lifetime ago. It actually happened back on the 22nd, but we were off the air. So I still think we should cover some of the insane things either he said or some of the lies uh, that he told, of course. He had all of his uh, famous hits he played, kind of like if you go to a concert. Um, He attacked the media. He attacked the New York Times. He uh, said the Washington Post is a lobbying tool for Amazon and then repeated that, which is ridiculous. Amazon doesn't own the Washington Post. Jeff Bezos does. He owns both of them. How long until he goes after Whole Foods because Amazon bought Whole Foods? Um, he went after CNN, and you know he has a new person now, ABC News, George Stephanopoulos. He's not much of a fan. I'm trying to call him Little George. I don't think they really stuck.
0: No, and and I believe was it you that walked behind him in DC? And, I, you know, I bought he's he's a he bought
1: cigarettes in front of me. His complexion is not as good as it appears on TV.
0: Well, a lot of smoke and mirrors and makeup in the TV <laughs> industry, but uh, you know, again, this is like any of this. It just this is Trump nonsense at its finest. Uh, like you said, it's like going to a concert and listening to his greatest hits. But then again, who goes to a concert but the fans of a band? Yeah. So this is not a true representation of the people of Arizona, or you know, or the people of the United States.
1: Be you know, I, I saw Paul McCartney in concert. Did he sound as good as he did on those Beatles records? No, but I was lapping it up and loving it because I love the Beatles. Uh, By the way, back to uh, the the uh, little George thing um you remember that Seinfeld episode where they thought they saw Joe DiMaggio and they kind of just like smacking the table going yep yep trying to get his attention that's kind of what I did with George because I was kind of like <clears throat> George <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was like 22 and I you know I'm like to this day I'm 99% sure it was George Stephanopoulos um but you know without actually having him say hello my name is George Stephanopoulos I couldn't get you know complete I, I didn't have a smartphone at the time it was pre-smartphone so, uh, so while Trump was against, obviously, the media, he was for his buddies at Fox News. He pointed out several times how Fox News treated him fairly, uh, how great-handed he is, how great Fox and friends are in the morning, how they're the, the most honest show. Uh, and these are the shows that was the five on, on Fox. I mean, these are the shows that I, I know you like listening to. News programs that agree with your point of view, which we all do, it's just the way it goes. But they just kiss his butt so much, and it's so much like state run media to a certain degree. You can't feel good about that, can you?
0: No, we might as well be in North Korea watching state run media and, you know, have that the woman in the pink kimono come out there and deliver the news that's been pre approved by uh, Kim Jong un. So, I, yeah. I don't know. It says something about the man, but of course we've been through this, you know, time after time. We know exactly what to expect when it comes to Donald Trump and his take on the news. Yeah, you know,
1: we we may like what you may like what Hannity has to say, but he's not a good guy. He's not good. He's he's gross. Um, and then he of course he can't go through a speech without just patting himself on the back. He had this quote here that goes, I always hear about the elite, you know, the elite, their elite. I went to better schools than they did. I went to I was a better student than they were. I live in a bigger, more beautiful apartment, and I live in the White House too, which is really great. He had to throw that in at the because He called it a dump and and got in trouble for that. I mean, I don't need a president who's just going to be saying how wonderfully he is. I mean, we should know that by now. It's all he does. Everything he does is great, but it just it just makes me just as upset today as it did on December or on January 20th.
0: Well, those are what you call delusions of grandeur, and they are the textbook definition of narcissistic personality disorder, which many believe our president suffers from. You know, so we have to be smart enough to, you know, take it all with a grain of salt and, and poo-poo it and say, yeah, but you know what? You still suck. You know, everybody wants to
1: diagnose uh, Donald Trump uh, with this or with that, but I think he's definitely a narcissist. I mean, that's something we can all agree on. Even if you like him, you should be able to admit that he is very much, yes, a narcissist. Uh, And, you know, I guess sometimes you have to be a narcissist to run for president. I think probably all the past presidents were narcissists too, just not at the same level. I don't know. At least they could
0: talk about it like they were, (laughs) you know, had more than a fifth grade education.
1: At least they can fake it to a certain degree. Um, and then, of course, we talked about uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio last episode. How Secretary Sanders said nothing was going to be happening at this speech. Um, he wasn't going to be pardoned here, of course. He starts talking about Sheriff Joe and says he was convicted for doing his job and that he should have had a jury. But he makes a prediction that he's going to be okay. Trump pardoned him the next day. Let's remember that Sheriff Joe, good old Joe, was convicted for contempt of court for refusing to stop his long-running targeting of Hispanics, I mean, it's racial profiling. The courts had stop doing it. He said screw you, and Trump is giving him his blessing here by saying, yeah, the courts are wrong. You're right. Keep on on doing this. That's disgusting to me. That he wants to kick people out of our country uh, with a DACA program, but he's he's willing to pardon people like Sheriff Joe. It's just insane.
0: Well, yeah, that's just what we all want, right? Sheriffs who say f the law. You know, it, they're in power to enforce the law not yeah. to take it into their own hands and go around the law and ignore it.
1: If you don't like the law, run for Congress, run for your state legislature, run for your town council and board of ed. Why not? Hmm. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Trump crapped on Arizona senators in Arizona, but was proud that he wouldn't say their names. Um, he he went after McCain and that they, they were one vote away from passing health care legislation, which isn't true. There wasn't a vote to pass health care legislation, but he doesn't care. One vote away. And then said, you know, but, I, but I'm not going to say his name. Isn't that very presidential of me? Uh, they start talking about Jeff Flake and saying nobody wants me to talk about your other senator who's weak on borders, weak on crime. So I won't talk about him. No one wants to talk about him. Nobody even knows who he is. By the way, he was basically endorsing primary challengers at this event that are running against Jeff Flake, which is you know insane of its, on its own piece. But I can't believe that you could go against two people who were just voted in, you know, I like, guess you know four to six years ago uh, in the state and and have people cheer for it.
0: And what does he want a cookie? You know, he went the whole speech without mentioning them by name. Very presidential. Yes, Donny. Very presidential.
1: I, I think it would have been presidential if you just didn't bring it up in general. Just not saying their names it doesn't. You, you get half a cookie for that, I think. Um, yeah. And of course, he lies about his presidency nonstop. Um, he always says that you know, I don't believe that any president has accomplished as much as I have in my first six or seven months. I really don't believe that. <laughs> But someone has to tell them that believing that doesn't make it true.
0: Well, and, you know, from some outside uh, of the United States, some impartial sources like the BBC, right? You know, some of these lies that uh, Trump has told, you know, things like his approval. He's got a low 30s percentage point approval rating at this point in his presidency, whereas Obama and George W. Bush were in the mid-50s. You know, uh, President Gerald Ford was the last president to have, you know, six months in— an approval rating in the 30s. You know, Only half as many border apprehensions have happened in the six months, uh, or almost a year now, of the, the Trump presidency, as did in the Obama administration last year of 2016. He's only seen modest economic growth. Uh, he supported a repeal of the Affordable Care Act, which would have cost 20 million people their health insurance. And Bill Clinton signed almost 10 more bills into law by this point in his time in office, and you know, so many of these things that Donald Trump reports as to have been successes of his in these first six to eight months in office are complete and utter lies.
1: You know, I want to talk a little bit about what Politifact had to say, but I don't even know if we need them anymore. We have you here telling us all the information we need to know. Um, but we're going to go to Politifact anyways, although they're really just pointing out things we already knew. One of the things that Trump said during the speech um, was that uh, you know my first speech regarding Charlottesville was fantastic. They all yelled at me, and then he reread it and goes, "What's wrong with that?" Of course, he left out the the many sides comment, which was that we know we condemn in the strongest possible terms uh, the hatred, violence, bigotry on many sides. On many sides, he had to repeat it. Um, so again, he's trying to rewrite history by not actually reading what he said and then asking, what's wrong with that? It's a fake news media that's coming after me.
0: Well, and when you subtract all the, the bills that he signed into law that did things like change the names of federal buildings in Nashville, Tennessee, then he's, yeah. he's actually done even less.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at what he's done, anything that has res next to it, whether it's S-res or H-res, it's like, oh, I, I passed some H-res saying that today will be… Kevin and Jesse grabbed them by the pod day. Like you know, it's not a real law. It's a stupid like, proclamation that anybody can get done when you're in Congress. You have to see the real Senate bills and the, the H.R.s. Uh, to see what actually actually happens. I'm just running through these quickly. Um, He said CNN's ratings are are going down. They're at a five-year high. Wages haven't gone up in a long time. They've been going up for the past three to five years. Uh, He, again, makes false claims about crowd sizes. Um, He says that the New York Times apologized to him. Never happened. And he said there aren't a lot of people outside uh, who are protesting, even though for hours leading up to the actual rally, the main COC, CNN, MSNBC, and Fox, they were covering the uh, people outside. Local media was covering thousands of anti-Trump protesters. And after the rally, Phoenix police chief um, uh, said that there were probably tens of thousands of people there. So, again, these just blatant lies that he just people will just lap up if, if you're a fan of this, which is just kind of sad.
0: Oh, yeah, and by the way, the Boy Scouts want that half hour of their life back <laughs> you know, from that terrible speech. But, oh, well.
1: So, I mean, these are things that we should be – Used to by now, but we're going to keep talking about them because they're just as insane now as they were then. Uh, So uh, I guess I got to get that all out of my system. Kevin, what do you have for us for Kevin's Corner?
0: Well, Jesse, the month of August 2017 will go down in history as having tested the United States of America more than most others in our time. Beginning with the violent clashes in Charlottesville, Virginia over the removal of a statue honoring Confederate General Robert E. Lee, pausing for a rare but awe-inspiring solar eclipse and ending with the catastrophic damage wrought by Hurricane Harvey on the Texas Gulf Coast region, this month has shown us what we are really made of as a country. While the events of Charlottesville reminded us that evil does exist on our soil and that there is division in our nation on a number of issues, the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey has proven our better nature as a people always shines through. In the wake of the devastating floods that submerged the city of Houston, my adopted hometown, the response to nature's wrath has been truly heartwarming. People simply set aside any perceived differences to help others in need, be it black police officers assisting white children, self-described rednecks rescuing immigrant families, Muslim imams opening their mosques to those seeking shelter regardless of belief, or the bakers trapped inside my favorite panaderia, El Bolillo, baking thousands of loaves of bread for those in need of food, as they themselves were trapped inside the bakery due to rising floodwaters for two days, these acts of generosity and empathy illustrate to the most disillusioned of us that there is still hope for our country. We are better than our faults. The good will always overshadow the bad. We must keep the faith. America is a great place to be.
1: Couldn't agree more. As long as there's hope, there's reason to fight for what's right and what we believe in. All right, everybody. It's been wonderful to be back with all of our great listeners, with you, Kevin. Uh, go to remember, go to our website at grabthembythepod.com. You can follow the links to our social media accounts, uh, to listening to our podcast. But you're, getting, you're listening to it right now, so you probably know how to get there. Um, so I guess until next time, it's been real. Thanks so much, Kev.
0: Later.